0: Welcome to All About Data on Federal News Network. Now
1: your host, Jory Heckman. Thanks for joining me this week on All About Data, a conversation with chief data officers and the people who are making data work better in government. On today's episode, putting the Biden administration's newest AI executive order into practice. You'll hear from several agencies on next steps. First up is Rob Silvers, the Undersecretary for Strategy, Policy, and Plans at the Department of Homeland Security. This conversation took place just before the release of the executive order at the Institute for Critical Infrastructure Technologies AIDC conference.
0: We're going to be aggressive adopters of artificial intelligence technology when you think about how it can be used for our security mission from detecting and interdicting fentanyl to streamlined and safer airport security screening, Uh, there's tremendous promise and we're going to lean into that. We're also going to be at the vanguard of responsible use and ethical use of AI in in all our programs and set the standard in that respect. On the side of our department that protects critical infrastructure across the country, we are going to be developing guidance to critical infrastructure owners and operators for how they can safely and securely deploy AI across their infrastructure. There's tremendous promise as you deploy AI to operate the grid, water supply, hospital systems, financial markets, you're gonna wanna make sure though that that is done in a safe and secure way. That if things fail, it happens safely, not catastrophically, that you have adequate auditing and testing that you give due consideration to when should certain kinds of decisions be made with a human in the loop, for example. And so we're going to also be aggressively pushing guidance out to owners and operators across the country to make sure that they can embrace this really promising, amazing technology, which we should all celebrate and do it in a safe and secure way.
1: And you mentioned how currently, at least, cyber defenders are the ones making advantage of AI. That it's a tool in the toolbox for them to defend that cyber infrastructure. And that offensively, we've not yet really seen that manifest itself in any kind of way. How is AI currently a force multiplier and a useful tool for those cyber defenders out on the perimeter?
0: AI is going to be used by network defenders and offensive actors alike. We are already seeing offensive actors experimenting with it. We have seen also really tremendous use of AI for network defensive purposes, and that is really promising. I often get asked, who is this going to advantage more, the cyber defenders or the cyber offensive actors? And the jury's still out on that. But to date, uh, we have seen incredible use for defensive use, including finding vulnerabilities, scanning code, and other things. And we're really going to be focusing on how we can work with the network defense community to gain all that. We're also very closely monitoring and trying to model
1: out potential adversarial use. All right, and one quick one, one final one, if I may. Um, In terms of DHS's own use of AI, I think a couple of weeks ago we saw an AI trustworthy uh, policy or document come out of DHS. In terms of that internal use, what's top of mind to make sure that DHS is using this technology in a way that is uh, trustworthy and responsible?
0: That's right, under really the strong leadership of our chief information officer and our head of science technology at DHS, we have promulgated policies to make sure that our use is responsible and ethical of AI. So, for example, uh, making sure, protecting against bias in algorithmic uh, decision making, uh, ensuring that we have sufficient privacy and cyber protections uh, around our use of AI. That's all going to be at the forefront. So that as we embrace the benefits, we ensure that we're protecting civil rights,
1: civil liberties, and privacy. That was Rob Silvers, the Undersecretary for Strategy, Policy, and Plans at the Department of Homeland Security. Next up, you're going to hear from Colonel John Agnello, the Director of Information Advantage for the Army's Cyber Center
2: of Excellence. The easy place to use AI is continuous monitoring. So we are, so what we're actually kind of looking at right now is Army Cyber has brought in various contract organizations to come and show what their technologies are and how can they use those technologies for continuous monitoring. So continuous monitoring to help defend and cyber hygiene is it's low threat. So how can we use AI where it's a little more simple and you don't have a major risk or threat associated with it, that's the first way I think we're really looking at using it holistically for cyber defense.
1: I just wanted to follow up first on your point about just AI as a tool for enabling decision making. Can you give me some examples of how AI is a useful tool in the, the toolbox for uh, arriving at those decisions better, faster, cheaper? You actually
2: you, you hit the nail on the head. It's better, faster, cheaper. So really the way we're kind of looking at it is the concept of if every piece of information that's on the battlefield is its own individual node and we take every one of those individual nodes and they interact with each other uh, and they affect each other they all merge into the concept of a some type of decision space where you've got speed and and accuracy and you really want to make sure that you know we want our data to be faster and more accurate than our adversaries, so we can have some type of information advantage versus our adversaries. Um, and, and really, what we're looking at is how do you how do you use AI for that? And I think that you know that type of neural network is really where we're going with it.
1: One other point to focus on here: we hear from. DOD across the enterprise, that AI readiness is a point of contention, a point of concern. You know, I think one of the AI readiness goals, at least for DOD across the board, is AI readiness by 2025, 2027, I think, is another milestone out there. As far as your particular corner of things over at Army Cyber Center of Excellence, you know, what does AI readiness mean to you and what are the key milestones to get there?
2: AI readiness. So let's say, how do you use it to... Be more successful you know we talked about using it in the information space against social media and proactively versus reactively i think when we talk about overall AI readiness that you know the defense department and the u.s government writ large is all come up everyone has their ai task forces to try and find what those new technologies are and how we can apply it i think really the bottom line is how do we apply it today and where do we need to apply it to be successful.
1: And you said uh, something that usually comes up in these conversations, how as Army deploys AI, human in the loop is always very important and just I think a grounding principle for any future use of AI. Can you speak a little bit more about the value of that human in the loop and why it's so essential that there's a human operator uh, making these decisions at the end of the day?
2: I said in the talk about Skynet, people people automatically think when you think AI, you think Skynet, oh, world's coming to an end really the bottom line is is that, you know, we use AI to do those more menial tasks which allow a human to actually be that button pusher. You know, whatever that button pushing may be. It may be something from defending a network to sending a tweet to dropping a bomb, and it could be anything in from that full spectrum there. AI is really helps us make a decision, but still the human has to be the one, the commander has to be the one to make that overall decision.
1: Switching gears here a little bit, as far as the search for talent when it comes to AI, cyber talent is one of those things that we always hear is always in demand. And I I think if you go one degree further here, AI is also a place where the demand for talent, the demand for that expertise is pretty acute. As far as getting people on board or just even recognizing the people who have that AI aptitude, what is uh, Center of Excellence looking to do there?
2: That's a great question. So really what we're kind of doing is we started, they started a new warrant officer curriculum and officer curriculum talking data engineers, data managers, and data engineers, So, and data scientists. So, you know, we want to look at understanding that we are a data-centric army. So how do you find individuals that are tech-savvy to understand that data, apply that data, and be the engineers to actually write that, write those scripts, write those algorithms to apply it. So we have fully embraced it. We actually have built new MOS's and uh, specialties for warrant officers to specifically look at AI and data science.
1: One thing that came up in this conversation with this panel is it comes up pretty often when we talk about ai but it's the information the disinformation side of things more broadly ai trustworthiness i think is kind of a thing that people discuss when they talk about ai for quite some time in terms of making sure that these ai tools are reliable that they're producing accurate results when they're being used what is the cyber center of excellence looking to do there to make sure that these tools are accurate when they need to be.
2: I think that goes back to data centric. We we talked about on the panel that you really need to have some type of supervisor learning. So the idea of as we continue to use a data set, and that data set is what makes those algorithms come to the answer that you want. You have to continue to nurture and you continue to supervise that data and and determine that you have the right data, accurate data that can continue to modify what that solution is. So really the bottom line is is just supervising the data. You know, someone used the example of saying, it's a baby, you have to continue to mold and build that baby and and make sure that it, it comes to fruition. So I think that's really the bottom line.
1: So at the end of the day, it seems like some basic blocking and tackling with the data, making sure it's of a uh, reliable, you know, maturity, and that it's able to uh, train the AI in a way that's that makes it trustworthy in the first place.
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously, you have to continue to train it. You got to continue to uh, modify it, make sure that it's accurate, make sure it's up to date, and make sure that you have you're asking the right questions too. I think that's one of the biggest problems we lose in data science is what exactly is the requirement and what's the question you want to ask that data. That allows you to apply that algorithm, that um, analytic to actually allow that AI to Kind of solve that the answer for you
1: cyber is a realm where you guys are always staying on top of the next thing over the horizon but you know how do you get everyone on board to understand the value of ai just both the threat side of ai and the opportunity side of ai and and get everyone to recognize just what a pivotal kind of period we are with this emerging technology
2: bottom line is that it's not going away ai is here it's continued to get refined those type of technologies we want everyone to embrace it use the technology one of the big things we really got to look at is how do you educate seniors of what the ai is or what ai is and how you can use it because where we i think we may fail a little bit here and there is that at least in the military senior leaders that you know you've been doing you've been doing this for 20 or 30 years you you, you follow your gut instinct and you know if you can have something provide you a Uh, a good recommendation. You don't have to follow it, but at least it gives you a quicker option to make a decision. That's really, I think, the way we want to look at that.
1: That was Colonel John Agnello, the Director of Information Advantage for the Army's Cyber Center of Excellence. We're going to take a short break, but we'll continue our conversation when we return. I'm Jory Heckman, and you're listening to All About Data on Federal News Network. launching an AI tech sprint to address burnout in its healthcare workforce. Here to talk about it is the director of VA's National AI Institute, Gil Alterovitz.
3: And it's really an important step towards spurring that innovation in the AI space. It provided the requirements and guidance for safe and responsible deployment of this technology. And the AI tech sprint is actually part of that executive order. Having these AI tech sprints, you'll notice it's uh, within that document, and that's what we're we're launching, and we've uh, announced this idea of having this journey with uh, industry, nonprofits, and others uh, toward uh, building uh, public-private partnerships. Um, that's what this is about, and what we have are a couple of different uh, areas that we're focusing on. As you mentioned, we've got this uh, focus area of healthcare worker burnout. Um, it's one of the most serious challenges facing industry today, and within that, there are a couple of categories that we're looking at. One is around conversation tech solutions, and the other one's around document processing. And both of these really focus on reducing that administrative burden, which we found is one of the main drivers of clinician burnout. So that way, we can really enable that stronger connection between the provider and the patient, and uh, thereby making sure that we provide the best health care that we can for our veterans.
1: As far as the documentation side of things, paperwork in general is just really one of those pain points for clinicians, uh, not just in the VA, but more broadly. Can you speak to just the art of the possible of what AI can do to give physicians and clinicians more time to be in front of veterans, in front of patients here?
3: The focus is on when you have a veteran that goes outside of the VA system um, and you have information that is uh a- made available there, uh, we want to make sure that when they come back to the VA system, they're able to make use of that information, right? And and right now, that information may arrive in faxes, may arrive as images in a way that is not ready for uh, easy searches and easy analysis by the provider. And certainly, uh, you know, if you want to leverage AI on it, it would need further refinement. And so what this is looking at doing is taking That information and converting it into a form that's much more readily usable by AI and actually uses AI in the process of doing that. So converting those images into text that is more easily searchable by the provider. So that way they're not looking manually through all that paperwork and that hopefully will free up their time. And so rather than looking through all that paperwork to try to find a particular answer that they were looking for, they can focus on the patient connecting with the patient and treating the patient directly.
1: The other big use case here, integrating patients medical records, can you elaborate a little bit more of how AI could potentially be a tool that would help go about doing that?
3: So when you think of other areas where potentially the provider uh, is using up time on administrative tasks, one of them is around uh, entering the data into the electronic records. How many times have you gone to a physician and rather than them looking at you, you see them looking at their computer screen, right? Typing in those notes and capturing everything that you're you know, trying to say in your, your conversation, and so by using this technology that we're talking about here, it will enable that conversation to be this two-way conversation where you're facing each other and able to have a eye contact so he or she can have that conversation, make that connection with the patient and thereby moving forward. And the way this is done is by really saving that and capturing that uh, conversation to text as a and looking at solutions for doing that. so that way all of that information is is, is captured as a way in a way that is structured, and that way it can uh, free up the time of the physician. Uh, other providers so that they can maintain contact with with the patient, uh, and thereby again, uh, we're you know we're working toward um, improving and and making sure we have the best possible care. I, I do want to add that on this one also, you know, one of the things that we're really uh, making sure to do is uh, ensure that uh, we work within our trustworthy AI framework that we just released in September, right? So to, to make sure that we all we do all of this in a trustworthy way, you know, we want to make sure that doctors. They became doctors to care per, for patients right not to do paperwork they know what it needs to be done we want to give them that opportunity uh and the time to do that
1: you mentioned the uh the ai executive order that uh came out on monday as far as implementation goes what is top of mind to you just given what we've seen so far
3: the executive order uh that came out really you know it focuses on uh these three concepts of uh you know being safe Secure and trustworthy. Uh, and as you mentioned, the VA has been uh, working and uh, on this area for a number of years, and uh, we recently released um, our uh, department wide trustworthy AI framework that seeks to directly implement uh, these practical items that are uh, mentioned in the executive order. Um, other things, you know, there's things that are specific to the VAs. as I mentioned, the AI tech sprints uh, are specifically called out for the VA. Uh, to be doing uh, that's part of the executive order there's other parts of the executive order where uh, the v is also involved in uh, collaborations with with uh, others and other agencies and and so really it's it's an exciting time i think uh, because um, there's really now a chance to really uh, work together and and uh, enable these best practices right um, and I think by working together we can really enable, um, you know, this trustworthy AI for the veteran. That's exactly why we have the trustworthy AI framework, right? So that way it allows us to serve those who have served our nation, uh, namely our veterans
1: going back to you know AI as a driver of reducing clinician burnout at the VA there has of course been some some work on the ground and that you know some folks have reduced burnout uh, at VA facilities just through some old-fashioned things like you know taking a look at HR processes uh, really just listening to folks incorporating that feedback and you know developing that into uh, I guess some low-tech ways to address you know the idea of burnout to maybe just kind of put a bow on this a little more finely here um how do you see ai as a potential way to kind of accelerate or continue that momentum of uh of addressing you know this very key issue across healthcare the the idea of of burnout
3: right and first we have to really recognize right um that it, healthcare worker burnout has been recognized as a crisis actually by the CDC recently. Um, so it really, it threatens the entire industry. Uh, and it is a specifically, as you've mentioned, an issue within, uh, you know, that's something that we think about within VA. Uh, you know, VA health care workers have been working hard to provide that world-class care uh, despite a number of challenges, right? Uh, the global pandemic, uh, increasing care needs. Uh, for example, there's a 25% increase in healthcare enrollment since the pact Act, um, and so, and as I mentioned before, we we found that administrative burden is one of the main drivers of clinician burnout. And as you also point out, right, there are a number of ways to address that. AI is one essentially tool, one approach to doing that, right? And uh, we've identified these two areas that um, that we feel and we've seen uh, some uh, already some solutions that have been developed in this space where it could be very promising. And, Uh, One of them is right around conversation to text solutions, where AI is helpful in in doing that natural language processing, right? Converting uh, that into text that then can be searchable and can also be structured and and summarized in a way that saves time for the providers. And the other one was uh, this item around document processing, where you've got all of these documents, hundreds of pages sometimes that may be um, hard to search through and uh, rather than manually searching through them, uh, AI, again, through natural language processing and a few other approaches, uh, can you, you can actually get in a way that it's in a form that it's ready to be searched, ready to be su- uh, summarized and analyzed. So that way, uh, clinicians have more time to do what uh, they, they've come, you know, what their training has, uh, has really um, led them to want to do around uh, taking care of, of patients and, and having that direct patient contact.
1: I was really struck by this executive order's focus on hiring across the federal government. What case do you make to people promising technologists with these in-demand skills to consider a career in federal service or?
3: Well, I I would say, you know, our mission, right? Uh, Serving the veterans. Um, our, our nation's veterans have done their part to keep our country safe. And it's really our mission to keep them safe as we bring new technologies like AI and innovation to healthcare, right? So it's our, our mission that ties us together that I think attracts uh, and retains a lot of our, our workforce.
1: That was Gil Alterovitz, the director of VA's National AI Institute. I'm Jory Heckman, and thanks for listening to this episode of All About Data.
0: Thanks for listening to All About Data on Federal News Radio, part of Federal News Network. You can listen to this episode and past episodes anytime in your favorite podcast app. Search for All About Data on Podcast One, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your shows.